Hello and welcome everyone to Capital Musings, the podcast of the United Nations Capital Development Fund. I'm Esther Pan Sloan, Head of Partnerships, Policy and Communications at UNCDF. We're very glad to welcome today our first corporate guest, Esgi Barsenas, Global Vice President of Sustainability at Anheuser-Busch InBev. Esgi, hello. Hi, Esther. Thank you for having me. We're so glad to have you here. So let's get started, Esgi, uh, by asking you to please tell us the nature of your position. What does it mean to be the Global Vice President of Sustainability at AB InBev? Yeah, so as the Global Head of Sustainability, I am responsible for the development and execution of our sustainability strategy across our entire value chain, across our 40 plus markets in which we operate around the world. So that effort includes agricultural development, water stewardship, circular packaging, climate action and responsible sourcing. And of course, I can't do it alone. So I have many partners across the business sitting in procurement, operations, logistics, corporate affairs comms, R&D, and marketing roles that really help me build the right programs and partnerships and, and create that local impact where it's needed the most. So I think what's really special about our company is we do that by sharing targets linked to our compensation. So from the get-go, you get that cross-functional alignment on priorities for the year. And you know I'm proud to say that at ABI, our sense of ownership and ability to execute is really what differentiates us. So once we give the freedom to our local teams to execute behind the vision and the strategy that we co-designed, it's incredible to see what they can do and, and how they can evolve that strategy into reality, unlocking value for our company and our partners and communities alike. So what it means to be at the head of sustainability at ABI, I would say it's extremely rewarding. Remind us again how big the company is. Sure. So we've got about 170,000 peers around the world working across 40 plus countries. And the the way that we're organized, we've got a global team and then we've got six operating zones around the world. So that would be APAC, Europe, Africa, North America, Middle America, and South America. Great. And AB InBev, I'm not sure all of our listeners know, but AB InBev has been really forward leaning on sustainability. In fact, you've outlined a very ambitious set of sustainability goals, which are measurable and linked to a deadline of 2025, which is five years for the SDGs. Sustainable development goals of the United Nations are due to be met in 2030. So please let us know the business and social logic behind those goals and why you set such an aggressive timeline. Maybe in Bev, we are the global leading brewer, but we buy, make, and sell over 90% of our products locally. So in order to do that, we rely on a healthy environment and thriving communities. And, and we mean it when we say that. So we're determined to build a company to last. And as we always like to say, sustainability is our business. That's how we see it. And through our 2025 sustainability goals, our commitment was to building a better world for all of our stakeholders while also creating value for our business and making our supply chains more resilient. In 2018, when we launched our 2025 commitments, we wanted them to be bold, but also actionable. So setting the timeline for the vision to 2025 instead of 2030 really helped us create that sense of urgency and accountability and ensure that the teams who actually co-designed it, the commitments, can work hard to operationalize sustainability, but also build capabilities in the meantime that are needed to deliver that vision. So that's how we came about with the goals. And maybe if we could spotlight, for example, one of your goals, which is to have 100% of the farmers working directly with you 
as skilled, connected, and financially empowered by 2025. At UNCDF, we are very concerned with farmers, especially small-scale farmers as well. So please tell us what this goal means and how many farmers that will impact. So beer is made of natural ingredients and we rely on high quality raw materials. They're fundamental to our business and they play a critical role in the livelihoods of tens of thousands of farmers around the world in our supply chain. So our goal of ensuring 100% of our growers to be skilled, connected and empowered is really our commitment to our farmers. The way I'd like to think about it is it's our brand promise to over 30,000 farmers across 13 countries who provide us our six priority crops, which are barley, cassava, hops, maize, rice, and sorghum. And, you know, we really wanted this to be a farmer-centric goal. We could have gone different ways about it when you think about sustainable ag or agricultural development. There are many, many different paths that you can take, but we really wanted to take that farmer-centric approach. And our aim was to ensure that farmers have access to high-quality, weather-resistant, drought-tolerant seed varieties, so that makes them skilled as well as the right technical skills and the crop management protocols. It's a big gap that we're learning in our smallholder farmers so that we can continue to upskill them, but also provide them with improved insights, weather data, analytics, again, making them more connected, as well as giving them the ability to invest in and grow their business for the long term. So that financial empowerment piece is really critical for us to continue to build the resilience in our supply chains that we'd like to see. So We're making fantastic progress towards our goal as of the end of 2019, 50% of our farmers met our criteria for skilled, 45% for connected, and 35% for financially empowered. So they are more resilient today than they were last year. And hopefully by 2025, all of them will be able to say that they're skilled, connected, and financially empowered. That's fantastic. And then, of course, in that population, you see quite directly the impacts of things like climate change, the locust infestation in East Africa, lack of water, drought, all of these impacts that are happening as a result of changes in the environment. So then essentially the skills you're giving the farmers are making them more resilient and able to cope with some of these changes that are happening across their landscapes. Exactly. Fantastic. Um, So let's move to the 100 plus accelerator, which is one of the most exciting things I saw last year at the UN General Assembly. It might have been the most exciting thing. Please tell us about that. Yeah, so our 100 plus accelerator is really one of our signature initiatives. In 2018, when we were launching our 2025 sustainability goals, you know, which were designed to help us mitigate our impact, but also provide support to our value chain and improve the communities where we live and, and work. We knew that our current knowledge back then, our technical capabilities, our ways of working, weren't really enough to hit our 2025 commitments, but that didn't slow us down. So inspired by a UN report, I believe, which had come out right before we announced the Accelerator, which estimated that five to $7 trillion of annual investment and innovation is needed to achieve the sustainable development goals by 2030, we decided to create our own Accelerator. So... 100 Plus Sustainability Accelerator was really born to help reach these goals that we set for ourselves because we know we cannot solve today's challenges alone. We know that partnerships and collaborations are essential and it's an open platform. So any company can join us. They can contact us, reach out. We'd be happy to talk to them about lessons learned to show them the the cohort of companies that are going through the Accelerator program and, and the results. So we launched our second round of applications last October for piloting in 2020, and we received over 1,200 applications from 30 countries. 
So in comparison to the year before, in our first year of applications, when we received 650 applicants, we nearly doubled the number of applications we got. So we're extremely proud of that and proud of the innovation that actually sits around the world, and not just in developed countries, but also in developing markets as well. So we have hand-selected these ventures uh, that participate in our cohorts. So in the second cohort, we're working again together to test their solutions across our operations and value chains. So we're extremely proud of the companies that we identified and we're trying to test and scale. Can you give us an example of one or two of the companies that have come through the accelerator? Of course. So one of them is BankQ. So BankQ is a blockchain as a service supply chain platform for empowering smallhold farmers. So the way that we use BankQ is in a way we're financially empowering our smallholder farmers by giving them that digital identity, that ability to have a record of the transaction between us and them so that they can continue to go on and open bank accounts and ask for loans or get a crop insurance. So what happens today is that farmers sitting in Uganda or Zambia may not seem to be sitting in our supply chain. They may not have evidence for it because the crops they're selling go to aggregators. So we're trying to increase the transparency and visibility into our supply chain by providing them with a digital copy of the transaction, empowering them, but also increasing the visibility so that we can continue to provide the right support to these farmers. And we're extremely proud of the results that we're seeing. And right now, BankQ is operational in Uganda, Zambia, and India. So we're really proud of that. And now we're using this great innovation in our recycling supply chain in Colombia as well. So again, once we see something working, we really work hard to scale it and take it around the world to different markets so that we can continue to bring that scalable innovation solutions to our entire supply chain. Another one is this company called EW Tech, which is a green caustic soda replacement, which we use in our operations. So this is more inside our our walls, I would say, but it's incredible to see the results of this green replacement of this caustic soda, which helped us save 60% time, processing time, over 70% water savings. We had energy savings, you know, in this process, in the brewing lines. So we're extremely proud of this one and we're looking to scale this innovation as well. There's a case for it. We're taking it to uh, different bottling lines and many other breweries across our Middle America operations. So really proud that we identified and we were able to get great results from this innovation. So there are many other examples like this. And again, for anyone who's listening, feel free to reach out. We'd be happy to share more results with you guys. Right. Well, I just want to highlight for our listeners that the 100 Plus Accelerator, in this process, you're not only selecting companies, but AB InBev is giving them seed funding, piloting their solutions. And then also, as you mentioned a few times, you're helping them scale when the solutions work. So it really is a very effective answer to a complaint I've heard from quite a lot of companies, especially in developing countries, that they spend so much time and energy entering these competitions, they might get recognized, they might get a trip somewhere, but then they don't get any cash or they they don't get any contracts to help their companies grow. So you're really solving the key bottlenecks that prevent small and innovative companies from really being able to scale and grow to the extent that their solutions can affect most people. So congratulations on that. All right, so let's turn now to COVID-19. We're all doing this interview from home. It's an unexpected time. AB InBev was amazingly fast in its response to the coronavirus epidemic. 
So please tell us about how you repurposed essentially a big part of your business to meet the demands of the COVID response. So our business is deeply rooted in our communities and we are really part of that local heritage where we operate. And we're really proud to be members of the communities around the world. So as you're all witnessing, this pandemic has brought unprecedented challenges for societies, governments, businesses around the world, and nearly every industry has been impacted. So our purpose, our dream of bringing people together for a better world really remains unwavering, even when we're at a distance, right? So even when we can't operate, even when we can't see each other, we can't share a beer. So the deep connection that we have to our communities really allows us to always strive to be part of the solution. So at the beginning of the outbreak, our teams have shown tremendous agility, delivering impact where it's needed the most, and that's, that's local. So far, we have donated over 3 million bottles of hand sanitizers and disinfected alcohol in over 27 countries for distribution to healthcare workers and vulnerable communities. In partnership with local governments, of course, with the health officials, with our nonprofit and NGO partners, we have provided water and medical supplies to frontline emergency workers, including the donation of 3 million face shields in Brazil. We helped build four hospitals in Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, and Peru. And we are working with American Red Cross to use arenas and stadiums for temporary blood drive centers around the US. So, all of these examples just to show you how. We are there. We are trying to be part of the solution at these unprecedented and trying times. And, you know, what is more is we're even utilizing our fleets of trucks to deliver essential food and medical supplies. So, again, being there for the communities when it's needed the most. So, Eski, you've had an interesting journey. I mean, you studied biomedical and electrical engineering, and then you got your master's in environmental health, and then you got an MBA. So how did that path lead you to AB InVest? That's a great question. Maybe let me take a step back. I am born and raised in North Cyprus. So growing up in a developing country as the daughter of a chemistry and a biology teacher as parents, it's no surprise I ended up in engineering school for college. (laughs) And, you know, I'm still fundamentally an engineer and I've learned a lot, especially the algorithmic approach to problem solving. But I quickly realized when I was in engineering school that I wanted to make an impact in the world in a different way. So that took me to graduate studies in environmental health and then work in public sector and then later on in business school. And finally, I found myself in sustainability and my journey brought me to AB InBev. And I feel extremely privileged and humbled to have found that passion early in my career and to have found a company like AB InBev. You know, API, which has the footprint and the reach that it does, really allows me and my team to deliver positive change at scale, unimaginable change. And and it's extremely rewarding, as I mentioned before, because I know that the impact we're making is real and it's agenda setting. And we're trying to be there for our consumers and partners every day. That's fantastic. And I think for a lot of our listeners, you know, a lot of people come and speak to us at the UN and they're young people. They're very ambitious and idealistic. And they say, how do we have a big impact? And I think many young people don't necessarily think about big business or corporations as their first step or a place where they can end up and have a tremendous, for example, environmental impact. I mean, some of the things you guys are doing with recycling and packaging are unbelievable and they're so exciting. So it's great that you're demonstrating to a new generation of young people who are really committed to making the world better that you can do that with 
hard skills within a corporation that, as you say, you guys are so big and have such large reach that when you make decisions, you can impact a tremendous number of really needy people and really show you can do a great job demonstrating how your work can impact some of the poorest people in ways that we at the United Nations are also trying to do. So if we switch then to AB InBev as a corporation, as a corporation, you guys have done a terrific job demonstrating your commitment to advanced sustainability, including at the local level and including down to some of the poorest and hardest to reach populations. So how are you being rewarded for that or recognized for it in the market? And how are you differentiated as a corporation from other companies that may make similar claims but are not living up to those claims? I think that's your toughest question yet. I, I would say, and I mentioned this before, at ABMBAV, we are incredibly target-driven, right? So we, we are very results-oriented, target-driven. And sustainability is actually housed under procurement, and that gives us a huge ability to execute. You know, that engine sitting behind us allows us to reach our supply chain very easily and enables those conversations that can really shift industries. When you think about our 100% renewable electricity commitment, for example, we're looking to convert about seven terawatt hours of electricity around the world. And if we can hit that commitment by 2025, that means we may be the largest corporate purchaser of renewables by bringing that additionality to the marketplace. So again, that that scale and reach is incredible. And, and we do that in a very meaningful way in, in partnership with our procurement teams. So I would say collaboration is key, internal and external collaboration. And what this pandemic has shown us is really the importance of working together. And I'd like to think that you know, it's really demonstrated how collaboratively and decisively governments and businesses and society are coming together when an emergency is perceived to be real, right? So I think there's a great learning in that. I think while we haven't seen similar levels of urgency and action on other pressing challenges, such as climate change, inequality, biodiversity, we know that we should continue to find ways to collaborate. So that's our first and foremost kind of marching order at AB InBev, I'd say. So collaborate, find the right partners inside the company, find the right partners outside the company. And that way we can co-design for resilience and we can co-invest in innovation. I think that's what sets us apart. So most recently, last year, we launched our Eclipse platform, which is our supplier-focused sustainability-dedicated collaboration platform where we're inviting our supply chain our large and small suppliers to come and be a part of that vision to share our better world vision so we can continue to solve for most critical shared challenges, you know, including transportation, ag tech, packaging innovation, recycling infrastructure. So these are some of the issues that we're really working closely with our suppliers to really better understand ways to collaborate and ways to identify scalable solutions. I think when you think about corporate sustainability agendas are shifting, I'd like to think that the companies that are showing real results and the companies that are showing reasons to believe and proofs of concept will be the ones that are rewarded, not just those that are setting really ambitious vision and commitment. And there is a role for that, right? There's a place and a role for that as well. But I think at this stage, you know, as we're 10 years out in a, as we say, in a decade of action and delivery, while we have 10 years left, I think right now we should really be looking for 
reasons to believe. We should be looking for proofs of concept and scalable partnership and program models that can then be launched around the world so that we can quickly close the gap that we have because we have many gaps. So instead of highlighting what the vision is, what the strategy is, really demonstrating how we're actually closing the gap on that vision or how we're executing behind that strategy is going to be extremely critical for companies. So what I think is we must not lose the momentum. I think we really built up a lot of momentum right now and agility to tackle shared challenges. Uh, this pandemic has had really shown us a lot of learnings. And at ABM, we are committed to our goals and we are continuing our efforts. We know that our sustainability goals are as relevant and ambitious, if not more than ever. And I hope that every other business out there recognize that as well, that it's not an effort we can put on pause or we can put on the back burner is actually an effort we need to double down on right now. Great. And finally, how can consumers and investors who care about these issues and support the work that you guys are doing make choices in the marketplace to reflect their values? By continuing to ask questions, uh, by not taking claims at face value, I would say, I think there's tremendous opportunities for us to continue to bring our corporate ambition closer to our consumer-facing brands, and, and our brands are doing a fantastic job in that. So when you look at Stella Artois, for example, with a partnership with water.org, bringing a water access to communities in need around the world, or if you look at Budweiser that's championing 100% renewable electricity and really empowering consumers to make that everyday smart decision or informed decision to opt for a renewable bottle of beer. Um, I think these, this is the power that we have. I mean, our iconic brands, the power of storytelling that comes with those really enable us to create movements around the world. If you think about our scale and reach again, if you think about the consumers that we touch every day, we have about one in four of the beers around the world under our portfolio. So that gives us a lot of reach and ability to really influence masses. And I think the more brands stand up for something and find their authentic voice that's matching their brand ideals and you know that their consumers are looking for, the better informed everyone will be about what these brands really stand for, how they operate, what their corporate ambitions look like. So I think there is still a lot of work to do on our end as well in in trying to tie those corporate ambitions closer to our uh, consumer-facing brands because not every consumer or someone from the public would go and check out our sustainability reports, for example. But I think slowly by continuing to raise our profile, by continuing to demonstrate that we have proofs of concept, we have working partnership models, that's how we will establish that trust and credibility and loyalty from the consumers, I would say. And the same goes with, for the investors as well. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Ezgi, for joining us today. Uh, as you mentioned, there is a lot of talk in this field in, in sustainability, in impact investing, in commitments to the sustainable development goals, but it is 2020. The SDGs have been agreed for five years already. The least developed countries and the developing countries cannot wait for more speeches and more talk. And AB InBev is really leading the way in terms of setting very strategic and very ambitious plans, measuring your results, being transparent about what you're doing, what steps you're taking, and moving so fast. It's really a delight to watch you. 
So thank you so much for being a leader in this space and thank you very much for joining us again. Thanks for the recognition and for the opportunity, Esther. Have a good day. You too. Thank you.